Chapter number nine of Some Eminent Women of Our Times. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Naomi Brewster, Melbourne, Australia. Some Eminent Women of Our Times by Millicent Garrett Fawcett. Chapter number nine mary lamb the name of mary lamb can never be mentioned without recalling that of her brother charles and the devoted self-sacrificing love that existed between the two it was one of harriet martineau's sayings that of all relations that between brother and sister was apt to be the least satisfactory there have been some notable examples to the contrary and perhaps the most notable is that given by charles and mary lamb when a brother and sister are linked together by an unusually strong bond of affection and admiration it is generally the sister who by inclination and natural selection sacrifices all individual and personal objects for the sake of the brother for instance she frequently remains unmarried in order to be able to devote herself to his pursuits and further his interests there is no more devotedly unselfish love than that of a sister and brother when it is at its best the love of a wife for a husband or a parent for a child has something in it more of the element of self in both these relationships the husband and the wife and the parent and the child are so closely and indissolubly identified with one another that it is comparatively easy to merge the love between them into self-love but between a brother and sister this is not the case the bond that unites the two can be set aside by either of them at will it is partly voluntary in its character and as previously remarked in the give and take of this affection it is generally speaking the brother who takes and the sister who gives the contrary however was the case with charles and mary lamb between these two it was the brother who laid down his life for his sister sacrificing for her sake at the outset of his own career his prospects of love and marriage the ease and comfort of his life and his opportunities of devoting himself exclusively to his darling studies the story of these two beautiful lives is worth more than even their contributions to english literature and makes us love lamb and his sister quite independently of the essays of elia and the tales of shakespeare mary lamb was born in seventeen sixty four eleven years before her brother charles her childhood till the birth of this precious brother seems to have had little brightness in it there was a tendency to insanity in the lamb family and this tendency was probably intensified in mary's case by the harshness and want of sympathy with which it was then the fashion to treat children polly what are those poor crazy moithering brains of yours thinking always was a speech of her grandmother's that made a lasting impression on the sensitive child the love of her parents her mother especially 
seems to have been centred on her brother john older than herself by two years dear little selfish craving john he was in childhood and dear big selfish john he remained in manhood mrs gilchrist life of mary lamb page four the first creature upon whom the wealth of affection in mary's nature could be freely bestowed was therefore the baby brother she spoke in after years of the curative influence on her mind of the most maternal affection which she lavished on the boy who was to a great extent committed to her care henceforth she was no longer lonely but had gained a companion and an object in life her education consisted mainly of having been tumbled early by accident or design into a spacious closet of good old english reading without much selection or prohibition and she browsed at will upon that fair and wholesome pasturage this was the library of mr salt a bencher of the inner temple to whom her father was clerk in seventeen eighty two when charles was seven and mary eighteen he became a scholar of the blue coat school where he formed a lifelong friendship with the poet coleridge the circumstances of the lambs gradually narrowed the father was superannuated and his income was consequently reduced the elder brother john held a good appointment in the south sea house but he was much more intent on enjoying himself and surrounding himself with luxuries than upon providing for the wants of his family for eleven years from the age of twenty-one to thirty-two mary supported herself by her needle the father's mental faculties gradually gave way more and more by the time charles was fifteen he left school and the care and maintenance of his family in a short time devolved mainly on him he first obtained a clerkship in the same establishment where his brother was employed and two years later he received a better paid appointment with a salary of seventy pounds a year in the india house domestic troubles however thickened upon the family the mother became a confirmed invalid and in seventeen ninety five charles was seized by an attack of the madness hereditary in the family this affliction must have weighed heavily upon mary who thus saw her one prop and solace taken from her she was left alone with her father in his second childhood her mother an exacting and imperious invalid and an old aunt hetty who was forever poring over devotional books without apparently the capacity of sharing any of the household burdens no sooner was charles restored to reason then a new trouble began john met with a serious accident and though in his days of prosperity his family saw little or nothing of him he now returned home to be nursed this seems to have been the last straw that broke poor mary down in september seventeen ninety six the mania with which she had been often threatened broke out she seized a knife from the table and stabbed her mother to the heart the poor old father was almost unconscious of what had taken place aunt hetty fainted it was charles who seized the knife from his sister's grasp but not before she had in her frenzy inflicted a slight wound on her father 
the horror of the whole scene can be with little difficulty pictured yet charles who had only lately been released from an asylum had the power to cope with it to maintain his calmness and courage and above all to resolve that the terrible calamity which had overtaken them could not be allowed to enshroud the whole of his dear sister's life in the gloom of a madhouse he wrote to his friend coleridge five days after the tragedy and his letter speaks nothing but tender fortitude god has preserved me in my senses he writes i eat and drink and sleep and have my judgment i believe very sound my poor father was slightly wounded and i am left to take care of him and my aunt with me the former things are passed away and i have something more to do than feel severe self-mastery is perceived in every word of this letter lamb was evidently sensible that his own reason could totter if it were not controlled by a strong effort of will in another letter written a week later to the same friend the same spirit was shown he had already formed the determination not to allow his sister to remain in a madhouse he resolved to devote his life to her and to give up all thought of other happiness for himself than what was consistent with his being her constant companion and guardian your letter was an inestimable treasure to me it will be a comfort to you i know to know that my prospects are somewhat brighter my poor dear dearest sister the unhappy and unconscious instrument of the almighty's judgment on our house is restored to her senses to a dreadful sense and recollection of what has passed awful to her mind and impressive as it must be said to the end of life but tempered with religious resignation and reasonings of a sound judgment which in this early stage knows how to distinguish between a deed committed in a transient fit of frenzy and the terrible guilt of a mother's murder i have seen her i found her this morning calm and serene far very far from an indecent forgetful serenity she has a most affectionate and tender concern for what has happened indeed from the beginning frightful and hopeless as her disorder seemed i had confidence enough in her strength of mind and religious principle to look forward to a time when even she might recover tranquillity god be praised coleridge wonderful as it is to tell i have never once been otherwise than collected and calm even on the dreadful day and in the midst of the terrible scene i preserved a tranquillity which bystanders may have construed into indifference a tranquillity not of despair is it folly or sin in me to say that it was a religious principle that most supported me i felt i had something else to do than to regret on that first evening my aunt was lying insensible to all appearance like one dying my father with his poor forehead plastered over from a wound he had received from a daughter dearly loved by him who loved him no less dearly my mother a dead and murdered corpse in the next room yet was i wonderfully supported i closed not my eyes that night but lay without terrors and without despair i have lost no sleep since 
i have been long used not to rest in things of sense had endeavoured after a comprehension of mind unsatisfied with the ignorant present time and this kept me up i had the whole weight of the family thrown on me for my brother little disposed i speak not without tenderness for him at any time to take care of old age and infirmities had now with his bad leg an exemption from such duties and i was now left alone he then speaks of the kindness of various friends and reckons up the resources of the family resolving to spare fifty or sixty pounds a year to keep mary at a private asylum in islington i know john will make speeches about it but she shall not go into a hospital if my father and old maid servant and i can't live and live comfortably on a hundred and thirty or a hundred and twenty pounds a year we ought to burn by slow fires and i almost would that mary might not go into a hospital let me not leave an unfavourable impression on your mind respecting my brother since this has happened he has been very kind and brotherly but i fear for his mind he has taken his ease in the world and is not fit to struggle with difficulties nor has much accustomed himself to throw himself into their way and i know his language already charles you must take care of yourself and you must not abridge yourself of single pleasure you have been used to etc and in that style of talking charles goes on to explain that his sister would form one of the family she had been placed with rather than a patient they as the saying is take to her extraordinarily if it is extraordinary that people who see my sister should love her of all the people i ever saw in the world my poor sister was most thoroughly devoid of the quality of selfishness i will enlarge upon her qualities dear soul in a future letter for my own comfort for i understand her thoroughly and if i mistake not in the most trying situation that a human being can be found in she will be found uniformly great and amiable god keep her in her present mind to whom be thanks and praise for all his dispensations to mankind the whole of the rest of lamb's life was a fulfilment of the loving resolutions which had sustained him in the terrible hour of his mother's death his love for the beautiful alice w was relinquished as one of the tender fond records forever blotted out by sterner more imperative claim of affection and duty as soon as the old father died mary and charles were reunited in one home and her brother's guardianship was accepted by the authorities as a sufficient guarantee that any future return of her malady should not be accompanied by danger to the lives of others he was faithful to his self-imposed task he himself was never again attacked by the cruel malady but her sister to the end of her life was subject to recurring periods of insanity which latterly isolated her from her friends for months in every year through their joint care and caution no fatal results again attended these attacks of mania there is something inexpressibly touching in the fact that on their holiday excursions together mary invariably with her own hands packed a straight waist coat for herself 
she was able to foretell by premonitory symptoms when she was likely to be attacked and a friend of the lambs has related how he had met them walking together hand in hand towards the asylum both weeping bitterly lamb's strong feeling against allowing his sister to be placed in the hospital for lunatics is more than justified by the accounts given in the life of lord shaftesbury of the frightful barbarous treatment to which insane people were subjected in the early part of the present century their keepers always visited them with whip in hand they were sometimes spun around on rotary chairs at a tremendous speed sometimes they were chained in wells in which the water was made to rise till reached their chins sometimes they were left quite alone chained to their beds from saturday afternoon to monday morning unable to rise and with nothing but bread and water within their reach no wonder that charles lamb said he would burn by slow fires rather than let his sister be treated like this the strong restorative of work done and duty fulfilled enabled charles within little more than a year of the dreadful calamity which had darkened his life to make his first appearance as an author these first poems were dedicated to the author's best friend and sister he wished to fence her round as it were by assurances of the high value he set on her and of the depth of his love i wish he wrote to coleridge to accumulate perpetuating tokens of my affection to poor mary when she was restored to his daily companionship there was nothing in her outward manner or appearance to indicate what a terrible cloud rested on her past life her manners were tranquil and composed de quincey speaks of her as that madonna-like lady there was no appearance of settled melancholy in consequence of the fatal deed that she had been led to commit but that it left a wound which was hidden rather than healed is indicated by the words written long years after the event my dear mother who though you do not know it is always in my poor head and heart on another occasion a child mary loved asked her why she never spoke of her mother a cry of pain was the only response her dependence on her brother was an ever visible presence in both their lives mrs cowden clark relates he once said with his peculiar mode of tenderness beneath blunt abrupt speech you must die first mary she nodded with her little quiet nod and sweet smile yes i must die first charles the event was contrary to the wish and expectations thus expressed charles preceded mary to the grave by thirteen years but during the greater part of that time her intellect was so clouded as to deprive her of the power of the acute suffering the loss of her brother would otherwise have caused the literary fame of mary lamb rests chiefly on her tales from shakespeare and a collection of beautiful little stories for children called mrs lester's school tales from shakespeare were written as so much good work often has been under the stress of poverty six of the great tragedies were undertaken by charles and fourteen plays by mary 
the scheme was to render each play into a prose story fit for comprehension and capacity of children and the work was done with inimitable felicity of diction and critical insight into the situations and characters of the world of men and women who lived in shakespeare's dramas there is a letter of mary's describing herself and charles at work charles has written macbeth othello king lear and has begun hamlet you would like to see us as we often sit writing on one table but not on one cushion like hermia and helena in the midsummer night's dream or rather like an old literary darby and joan i taking snuff and he groaning all the while and saying he can make nothing of it which he always says until he has finished and then he finds out that he has made something of it mrs gilchrist life page 119 the tales were written for william godwin whose first wife was mary wollstonecraft his second wife helped him a great deal with his publishing business she was a vulgar-minded woman and a pet aversion of the lambs especially of charles who said referring to her i will be buried with this inscription over me here lies c l the woman hater i mean that i hated one woman for the rest god bless him the success of the tales could not however be marred by the unpopularity of the publisher and his wife the book rapidly ran through several editions and even now a year seldom passes without the tales from shakespeare being presented to the public in some new form a portrait of mary lamb has been drawn by the master hand of her brother she is the bridget in the essays of Ilya, as all lovers of the essays well know the humour and delicate insight into character for which the writings of charles lamb are so distinguished are also characteristic of mary though the humour in her case is less rollicking and never breaks out in pure high spirits as his often does some of the most charming of mary's writings are her letters which have been published in mrs gilchrist's life especially those to a young friend named sarah stoddard this young lady had the most business-like determination to marry and as she generally had more than one string to her bow as the saying is it is no wonder that she sometimes needed help of an older and wiser woman than herself to get her out of the difficulties in which she found herself much of mary's own character comes out in the advice she gives her friend she speaks in one place of her power of valuing people for what they are without demanding or expecting perfection it is a knack i know i have of looking into people's real character and never expecting them to act out of it never expecting another to do as i would in the same case how much practical wisdom there is in this and what misunderstandings and heart-burnings would be saved if it were more common not to expect people to act out of their own characters a little bit in another letter to the effect that women should not be constantly admonishing men as to the right line of thought and conduct i make it a point of conscience never to interfere or cross my brother in the humour he happens to be in 
it always appears to me a vexatious kind of tyranny that women have no business to exercise over men which merely because they having a better judgment they have the power to do let men alone and at last we find they come around to the right way which we by a kind of intuition perceive at once but better far better that we should let them often do wrong than that they should have the torment of a monitor always at their elbows to begin quoting from the letters of charles and mary lamb is such an enticing task that it would be easy to fill more pages than this little book contains one more only shall be quoted from each the most beautiful of mary's letters is perhaps that which she wrote to dorothy wordsworth soon after the death by drowning of wordsworth's brother john the beautiful poem by wordsworth the happy warrior is supposed to have been written partially in reference to this brother and partially in reference to nelson whose death took place the same year eighteen o five i thank you mary wrote my kind friend for your most comfortable letter till i saw your own handwriting i could not persuade myself that i should do well to write to you though i have often attempted it i wish to tell you that you would one day feel the kind of peaceful state of mind and sweet memory of the deed which you so happily describe now as now almost begun but i felt that it was improper and most grating to the feelings of the afflicted to say to them that the memory of their affliction would in time become a constant part not only of their dream but of their most wakeful sense of happiness that you would see every object with and through your lost brother and that that would at last become a real and everlasting source of comfort to you i felt and well knew from my own experience in sorrow but till you yourself began to feel this i didn't dare tell you so how terrible that the mind and heart which could dictate such words as these were weighed down by the lifelong burden of insanity before miss wordsworth's reply reached her she was again attacked and charles wrote in her place i have every reason to suppose that this illness like all the former ones will be but temporary but i cannot always feel so meantime she is dead to me and i miss a prop all my strength is gone and i am like a fool bereft of her cooperation i dare not think lest i should think wrong so used am i to look up to her in the least as in the biggest complexity to say all that i know of her would be more than i think anybody could believe or even understand and when i hope to have her well again with me it would be sinning against her feelings to go about praising her for i can conceal nothing that i do from her she is older and wiser and better than i and all my wretched imperfections i cover to myself by resolutely thinking on her goodness she would share life and death heaven and hell with me she lives but for me and i know i have been wasting and teasing her life for five years past incessantly with my cursed drinking and ways of going on but even in this thus upbraiding myself i am offending against her for i know that she has clung to me for better 
for worse and if the balance has been against her hitherto it was a noble trade great noble spirits they both were even in their weakness and imperfections showing an example of devoted unselfishness tenderness and generosity that many who tithe mint and anise and cumin might envy mary lamb survived to old age dying in may eighteen forty seven aged seventy three she was buried by her brother's side in the churchyard at edmonton End of chapter 9